Welcome to Out of the Blank. to another episode of out of the blank podcast i'm here with michael michael for everyone out there listening who might not know who you are can you please tell everybody a little bit about yourself yeah sure my name is michael Rovito. i'm a husband and father and um i live in orlando i'm an associate professor of uh, health sciences at ucf um i'm also the uh, founder a uh, co-founder of uh 503 or 501c3 nonprofit. It's called the male wellness collective and uh, yeah, I'm just trying, uh, my research deals with testicular cancer and survivorship issues, but then on the nonprofit side, I deal with uh, males and um, trying to get more males on course with self-care. Um, that's pretty much it. It's very, very hard to get. I mean, I hate to be like, oh, it's very hard to get males into checking themselves up or making sure that they're on their, I guess, routine when it comes to making sure their health is up to date. But I mean, in some cases, we are stubborn as uh males, I guess. I mean, I'm not really the one to go to the doctor. I don't know about everybody else out there, but it's just an uncomfortable thing. You know, you got to do a prostate exam at a certain age. And I don't think anybody really enjoys those. Maybe some people do. I have no clue, but the area of wellness, because we all want to live long enough to see our kids grow up, to see our kids have kids and then grow up past that as well too. But we all have to come to grips with the fact that our body does age. And it's kind of a hard thing. Like um, I'm in the fitness industry. So when you see older people that are trying to work out, it's good. You like, you like that. But even all of them have complaints of like, I don't have the strength I used to have. I can't build muscle like I used to. It's very, very hard for me to be able to get motivated and get moving and everything. And it brings into the question of like, when am I, when I hit 30, am I going to be able to move like I move now? Like, am I going to be able, like, I know what back pain is now and I'm 24. Like, that's not fun. When you're a kid, you think you can get hit by a car and life just goes on and on and on. But at, at, yeah, at this point, if I go down the steps wrong and I, I might dislocate my knee, even when I get out of bed, I sound like uh, when you open up that Pillsbury dough, when you pop yeah. the can. <laughs> yeah. Having me this morning, I was walking my dog and like, I turned the wrong way too quickly and I'm like, oh. <laughs> lower back it's like my l4 to start a uh, singing soprano i mean it happens it, it totally happens up until like age 30 it was all cool actually, i actually found my first gray hair when i was 21 and that that shocked me i have like six right here so it's good i found my I, literally I, I was shocked i was like oh. i was like taking it back i'm like mortality but then like it was fine i just shaved my head now but uh. do, you, do you find that a lot of people are like i guess struggling or at least uh, more hesitant, I'd say, to go look for help or look for that question. Like, it just seems like there's a certain age that people start going and kind of diving into that research. I'm just wondering if that's changed with the amount of like kids that are a little bit more conscious of their bodies, more into these health and wellness practices, I'd say. Well, I've been noticing that generations are, there's generational shift going on right now. Back when I was raised and when I was in college, I graduated in high school in 99, graduated college in 2003. I've noticed that there's a different, there's a definite different generation going on right now. Like I, it's hard to like, this is when a generation ends. This is when it begins. It's hard to do that. People like go oh, this gap. It's definitely happening. There's someone, there's a new type of person 
in my classrooms right now than what I was when I was in college. I know that for a fact. Um, uh, it happened just this year where like I become like their dad now versus like a, a contemporary. It's this weird thing that I'm experiencing now as a professor. But a lot of the reason why I'm bringing that up is uh, they're different in terms of like how they identify themselves, what they're doing with themselves, uh, the tastes they have. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or a good thing. It's whatever. Um, but there is, I think, and this is completely anecdotal. This is just what me, what I've experienced in front of standing in front of students for Jesus, I don't even know, 15, 20 years now, um, that they are more conscious of stuff um, in terms of like who they are where they are in the world and i guess their impact so i i know i'm going around this long way around but it's just hard to really discuss this yes they are taking care of themselves i think more so than what i would probably have done like i think they're going more for their yearly or they're maybe more in touch with themselves and they're kind of like feeling things out and testing things like different medicines and vitamins and going to different doctors and stuff. But I, it's not what I, there's a certain level of like um, continuity when it comes to like, now I'm speaking from like a guy's perspective, like when it comes to males specifically, I don't think there's a shift in so much males doing that. Females, I think so. They're, they've always been more efficacious with that. But male, but yes, they're taking more care of themselves, but it's like, there's definitely a, a gender difference there. I think with, there's, I, cause I get what you're talking about. It's just hard to say it in the proper terms without someone, I guess, maybe might taking it to offense. I would say there's more an emotional recognition, I think. Um, but I also think with the amount of information that's out there, it causes us to be a little bit more panicked on a lot more things, a lot more conscious, but I don't think we're conscious in the sense of we're actually being conscious, if that makes any sense at all. Mostly in a concept of we do the information, we do the Google searches to check, do I have this? Do I have this? Is this going on? Is this going on? Oh, I got to eliminate this plastic. I got to eliminate this. But then when you have an anxiety attack or something and you need help as a male, for instance, a lot more of like men, they probably wouldn't be open to talking about their depression or these types of issues. But when they go to a doctor and a doctor prescribes them a pill, they take the pill immediately rather than looking at maybe another, I guess, ben uh, more beneficial way than just taking a pill, for instance. At least in my case, I don't want to go right to a pill. I rather want to try and find a ways to deal with it or cope with it or be able to express it somehow because – that leads into like I was telling you off air about the John Hopkins study about the number of adolescent teens, a lot, a lot of kids that are on these antidepressants, and now they find it hard to get sexually active. And I go, there's always something like we're looking to guidance as a younger generation, but it's hard for us to find that guidance because there's still a lot of old methods in place. And it's not really you can't pick and be like, this is what's wrong and this is what's wrong. It's not that it's wrong. It's just that there's. There's a there's such a gap and there's so much information and new technology out there that it's hard to just make this like one size fits all medicine, I would say. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep bringing it back to guys because like I, I research men's health, but we're both um, guys. We could say it. At least that's how I identify as a guy. Yeah. But the problem like, is like we're being raised to like act a certain way. Um, like we are because of our past. And no matter how much we try to run from that, it's, it, it's just there. 
like people that, that try to move away to Vegas or Iceland or whatever, try to escape their problems. They never escape it. It's just because it's up here, you know, like they, they never, you got to deal with up here. It's internal. It's not an external battle. No matter how far you run, your brain is still going to go with you. So whatever you're dealing with, you got to deal with it first internally. So it's kind of how we're raised. And um, there is, an, uh, and, and this is part of this whole, I, I guess my theme I'll probably talk about too, is uh, this lens of change. It is happening. There's a change happening. I mean, like I'm a parent, like I have two daughters or two and six. And I know that what I do for my daughters is different than what my parents did for my sisters. Um, I have a really quick question. Yeah, what's up? Do you have a microphone? Why, can you hear me? No, I can hear you fine. It's just, it it completely changed. It sounds so much clearer than the very, very beginning. It like went bad and then it went good. Never mind. Go back to what you're saying. I'm sorry. I have ADHD. Uh, It distracted me. (laughs) How's that that better? Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little bit quieter, but it's good. All right. Um, Well, if you have an issue with my whatever, let me know. I don't have a microphone though. I, I should probably work on that. But what I was saying is that the um, we're going through a change, and I I'll, I'll just go back five seconds. Is what I do for my daughters is kind of like different than what my parents did for for my sisters um, in terms of like gender and just being who they are. I'm not going to put them in a box. Like if they. If my daughters want to play baseball and throw a curveball, or they want to go play with frogs or whatever, that's whatever. That's awesome. You know, I'm not going to like say, don't do that. Put a dress on. So, and I, there's not one way better than the other. I'm just more like that. Like, I don't want to define anybody when they're young. That way they're going to be a certain way, not because of their own volitions, because I told them to be that way. Looking at me and most guys is that, the reason why they don't go to the doctor and the reason why they're kind of like just hesitant to kind of like do the research about it or hesitant to kind of like go above and beyond to kind of like, you know, uh, be more well or whatever the term is, is we're kind of like told as a kid or like just suck it up and just, you know, brush it off. And that's fine. Like I'm from a family like that and I get it. Like, I'm totally about that, too. Like, sometimes, like, come on, like, just go. But there is a point, though, where it it does get to be damaging, where we kind of, like, just automatically dismiss it. It's like, for example, like, if a kid falls and gets hurt, guy or girl, just say it's a little boy. He falls, he hurts his knee. The kid's fucking knee's probably hurting him. Like, he's probably, like, blown out. His, His knee's probably hurting him. We're like, you're okay. Just get up. You're okay. It's like, well, yes. Just ask the kid, like, just see if he's hurt first. Don't automatically go to just suck it up, get up. And we've been doing that for so long for these guys. It's like, no wonder why we do this, like what we're doing. No wonder why we're like, just like sheep lost. Like, we don't know where the hell we're going with this health stuff is because no one ever told us to kind of take care of ourselves. We're always told just suck it up and go. And that, and again, like I believe in that to a certain point, but again, there's definitely a fine line. Once you cross that fine line, it becomes damaging and maladaptive. And that's why you get these guys that just like, they're pissing blood, but they probably have prostate cancer, but they still won't go. Like you're pissing fucking blood. Like what besides that would prevent you from going to a doctor, but you're pissing blood. Nothing would get you to go. If you can't go from that, I don't know what will make you go, but like I've had people have told me that they're like, yeah, I'm peeing blood. Literally. 
I don't, I'm still not going to go. I'm like, I can't help that. Like, how did that even happen? It had been the way that they were raised. And so when you talk about guys not wanting to go to the doctor, we got to look back at what the causal mechanism that, that was. Not because our DNA has some kind of like weird connection, like do not go to doctor, A, T, G, C, whatever. It's because of our, how we were raised to do this stuff. Do you find that that might be why there's a lot of research that maybe, I don't know if it is or not, but that might be hard to explain, especially when it comes to males, for instance. Um, only speaking because I've had growing pain. I've had a lot of pain before, but I always just go, I'll sleep it off and see how I feel in the morning. And it usually goes away and then I forget about it, but that could be an issue that might need to be looked at. You know what I mean? That's not something that you should do that. And I think that is like that with most guys, I would say, I mean, I'm not trying to gender or trying to do any of this type of stuff, but that is a hundred percent how we've been told our guys, if they're hurt or something, just walk it off, you know, forget about it, worry about it the next day. And it makes this kind of, I wouldn't say it's an excuse that leads to bad, uh, bad kind of habits, but it is a habit is neglecting a problem or an issue and just hoping it goes away the next day. I mean, I had a back pain for the longest amount of time. And I mean, a couple of years um, after a jet ski accident, I went to the doctor, like you have a fractured L5 S1. I was like, oh, what? And they're like, and a herniated disc. And I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's just, but that's something that took a couple of years for me to go and get an MRI and get diagnosed. Cause it's going to take all this time. I just didn't feel like doing it. I'll just push it off to the next day. And I think that is a lot from how you're raised as, especially how we kind of kids are, especially if you're a boy and scrape your knee compared to if you might be a girl and scrape your knee, but I bet your back still kills you. Doesn't it? Is the back still I'm hurt? sitting like this? I'm a little bit, slanted. dude, like my L4 is all messed up. You know why? Um, uh, again, this is a good conversation, I guess. Um, it does go to fertility because all this stuff, like all of our upstream behaviors, you know, what we do affects us later in life. But I was lifting, I, I used to play football in high school and, you know, um, at a certain point I was getting good at lifting, you know, like I was getting stronger and like lifting a lot of weight and I was squatting and I was warming up at 320 and I was like 17 years, eight, 17 years old. Like I, I don't know why a 17 year old should be squatting 320 pounds. Like I wasn't can. going, yeah, can. exactly. Right. That was the only reason I wasn't going anywhere in football. I was too small. I wasn't good enough in football, but still, I was still there. And like, like my knee buckled or some shit like that. And like the weight kind of went forward and like, I felt like my back pop mm -hmm. and like, I, I'm sitting on this thing. It's called the X chair. If you ever want to get a sponsor, the X chair is a great thing. It's the only thing in the world. The only chair that I've ever sat in where my back doesn't kill me. Like before I had to stand up and sit down across like this X chair is phenomenal, but my L4 is just blown out. So anyway, so back to what we're talking about. So that's physical health, right? Suck it up, whatever. Now translate that to mental health. There is, there's hardly any resources at all. There's hardly any discourse at all that talks about young guys and how they're feeling and their emotions. It's one thing to kind of dismiss their physical health. Like you're a guy, you're hurt, your back's blown out, you're gonna get better, pain, no pain, no gain. I, I used to hate that adage back in the 90s, that no pain, no gain stuff. And that's so wrong. But um, uh, so take mental health. No, if you look at the statistics, guys, it's like a th maybe a 300, I forget the exact um, uh, data. Uh, I'm trying to go back in my head here. It's, um, a 294% increased risk. I think that's almost right. 
um, of uh, males 15 to 24 that commit suicide versus their female counterparts. It's like overwhelmingly, like almost triple the amount that actually commit suicide. Now, a lot of females attempt suicide almost as, I think he, actually they, they attempt suicide more so than guys that age, but guys are like so much more successful at it if you want to call it successful because they're using more violent methods like shotguns and like hanging themselves and stuff like that. They're not cutting or taking pills. But the, but the issue is like homicides, suicides, unintentional injuries, just violent behavior is exponentially higher in 15 to 25 year old guys, even more than that is because they're human and they have human emotions and they get scared and they get angry and they get hurt and they feel sad, but nobody walks up to them and says, are you okay? You want to talk about it? No, they're fucking discarded and they don't talk about it with these guys and they feel dejected and they feel alone and just metastasize, if I want to use that word, into more anger and violent rage. It happened to me. And just it's just a cycle of like unattended to emotions. It just spirals into this hurricane of like suicides up, homicides up, unintentional injury, violent behavior. But guy, but people think that guys are just like that naturally. Now I'm not going to go into the whole evolution. Like guys are the provider. Like I'm not into that stuff. Like it's whatever. If, if you do what you want to do, but like maybe there is an element, or there was for the hunter-gatherer society of males doing certain behaviors versus females. But doesn't like it doesn't quite line up when I look at the animal kingdom because like lions, they the females do the hunting, the males don't. So it doesn't quite line up as succinct mm -hmm. as people think it does. They're like, oh, males are the hunters and gather. Maybe for humans at a certain point in history, but you look in the animal kingdom, it's not like that. So it's not exactly like that. But anyway, modern humans, like guys are, I mean, you're not hunting, you're not fucking hunting. You're, you're going to Best Buy and you're going to like Publix or something. You're, you're not going to hunt boar. I mean, maybe some are, but they're not doing that anymore. But anyway, so guys aren't naturally like this. They're not violent and more aggressive. Maybe there's something that was deep down deep in their DNA, but it, even that it's not as significant as people think it is to make them like how they are. It's how we're raising them, which goes back to the main point that we started talking about is why don't they go to the doctor? Why aren't they taking care of themselves? Because we're training them to be like that. And then when they get to be like that, you're like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why are you like this? I feel like saying, well, you raised me like, or like, you know, you made me this way, society. And so I, that's where we're at. People are like, why are guys so violent? I'm like, have you ever taken a look at like what we're spoon feeding them as a kid? Hey, you're a boy. Get to construction work. Or you're a boy. Here, play with this toy gun. Or you're a boy. Go punch something. It's like you're telling them to be this way. And then you dare question why they are that way when they get older. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. Do you think that like have you ever have you always thought this way or just your line of work has caused you to kind of be more I guess involved in just the male kind of health in general and it's kind of got you interested and leads you down this route cuz I agree with you 100% I think I just think 
I don't know what the fix is to that too. Um, and I know you can't necessarily fix it in a podcast. I know that, but I think talking about this type of stuff, like I don't like the overprotective stuff where it's like, we need to go the complete opposite since society for so long has been the opposite way. We need to go the other way. It's like, that's not good either because how many people are su suffering from like a health issue that might just be inside of their head. Every time I go to the doctor and I think like, oh, I had COVID. So that meant I got brain fog because right now, like I, I have a little bit of brain fog. I just can't think they go. It's because you're stressed. And I'm like, well, how do I fix that? Like, go to like go to a psychiatrist, get a medication. I'm like, I don't want that. What what can I fix that? Go to a therapist, talk about it. But then you go there and it doesn't seem like anything's being done. You get to this point where it's like, am I making myself sick by being so worried and concerned about that there might be something wrong? And I'm like, how many people are worried about you turn on the TV, it's just a fear thing. And they're researching it. Next thing you know, you find out having a laptop on top of your balls causes testicular cancer. And you're like, oh my God, it's, it's called a laptop. They made it like, well, what? And then you just freak out. And then next thing you know, you have kids that are going there and they're scared and they're wondering. And the next thing you know, they might be creating a health issue because they're constantly thinking about it. Are they going to be able to have kids? Or uh, you tell, like when I found out the fertility count in men, and just people in general had dropped from a significant number from my grandparents to this one. Now, I don't know the conclusive studies or evidence on that, but from what I heard, it was like 97% where we're at at 47% with the mix of phthalates in our blood. That concerned the shit out of me where I start going. I've always wondered, it was I going to have kids and now you're telling me I might not be able to, is that a possibility? Like there's always the, then you start neglecting yourself and then you feel depressed. And that's where we get into this era now where you see the mass amount of depression goes up. It's not just because of a pandemic. It's because, there's a lot of over worrying on things as well too and that is that does come with information but it also comes with the way we've been trying to reclaim society i would say by going the complete opposite way we've been doing for the longest time i just like we should have found a healthy middle ground with it you know if you have a scrape on your hand that might not need a band-aid you know you might not need to worry so much or go to the hospital but that's everyone's first thing is they get a cut let's go to the hospital it doesn't matter if you're male or female anymore and you have a lot of people that are like well the younger generation is so soft it's like no we just we, we haven't found that middle ground that that common core of health yeah uh I, i'm not a big fan of like boomerang effects um you see it in politics happening all the time it's like you have one person come in it's like one way then it's the complete opposite the next time and then it's just a seesaw thing and like you don't see any centrist anymore and, and the problem you know real quick with politics if you want to be a successful a, a successful politic a successful politician a very powerful politician become a centrist you see who's making all these deals mansion from west virginia collins murkowski all these centrist uh senators they're all the ones that are making like they're the ones that are, that are being courted all the time they're the ones that are saying yes or no to all this legislation. And it, depending on what they say, that's the way it goes because there is no middle ground anymore. It's all like these two extremes and they all bitch at each other. But the few in the middle, they're the real power brokers and no one really realizes that. So I agree with you. There is a middle ground um, that, yeah, like there is a hypersensitivity. Now, like I would totally agree with that. And you can ask my wife this because we talk about this all the time is because she's in the field too. Um, that. Like I'm, I come down more on the side. Like there is a hypersensitivity that is definitely damaging. I'm like, all right, get it out, but let's keep going. I understand that you want to be this way or you feel this way or whatever it is, but you're not made of glass. You're good. And so with that, um, 
Well, where do you feel the dagger falls for you? Do you feel like you're more worried about the physical or do you feel like you're more worried about the mental aspect of people as well too personally? And then you can talk about, you know, career wise, I'm guessing you're more focused in the physical reproductive part, but I'm saying like, do you emotional or inside of your head, for instance, the things that you think about, which I think is probably the most important. Do you find that you're more worried about like kind of the emotional stability of a lot of people, like, especially when it falls on males? Yeah, okay. I more so than physical. Nobody sure. ever talks about it. It's like a no one thing. does. Yeah, no, I mean, I see it in my classrooms. And so when it comes to emotions and like, you know, engagement and whatever with guys, it, it's across the board. It's not just like penises and prostates. It, it goes beyond that. It's, um, it's relationships. It's uh, academia. There's this push but no one's really talking about it in such a way uh in in any kind of very very public forum that if you look at higher education so let me just tell you this so uh unesco just released this report it was talking about how males are lagging behind females when it comes to scholastic aptitude or just progression and so out of 140 countries that were part of this study, now that's not all the countries in the world, I think there's like nearly 200 or maybe just over 200 countries. There's 140 countries that were included in the study. 132 showcased that primary school age males were, uh, there are more primary school age females there than males. So meaning there was a disparity in 132 out of 140 countries, there was more males and, or more females and males there. And, just overall success. When it comes to secondary education, like high school, that's where you saw the gap really expand when it comes to like aptitude, progression, just being involved, just success in school. It could be a combination of like how we're raising these kids. You know, uh, it could be a, a, like later puberty for guys, whatever the reason is. In, in high school, that's where it's really happening. There's a major point that I'm going to get back to after I talk about this next point. In tertiary education, when it comes to colleges, for every 100 enrolled females, there's about 88 enrolled males. So, and then that's not even counting like through college, those 100 females and 88 males, you're going to see more males drop out, not progress. And if they, even if they don't drop out, it's going to take longer for them to go through college. Now you're like, what's the reason? Like, why is that? Because we're not really paying attention to them we're kind of like just assuming or we're not really focusing on them and like their success and like what they are feeling, what they are, what their worries are, you know, what their trajectory is for career. There's a certain like thing that we're telling these guys like to be smart or like just to want to succeed or like to take part in spelling bees or read like Anna Green Gables is gay, is stupid. Don't do that. Like there's an underlying tone to this. Like guys don't do that. At least it used to be when I was there. Literally, I was told that. I wanted to read Anna Green Gables. I'm like, you're either a woman or you're gay for reading that book. I'm like, what? We had a spelling bee. All the guys purposely dropped out in the first round. This is my anecdotal story. This is how it used to be. It probably still like that in some capacities. They dropped out. They didn't want to be seen as like, you know, effeminate or the spelling bee stuff is for, you know, that's not for guys. And like, there's this underlying tone of that. Like, we're being told that we're perpetuating it to our own behavior, but no one's really paying attention. And so even today, there's, a, there's a, a lot of universities, including UCF, that there's a lot of programs that are being instituted at universities that are saying like, 
we're seeing the numbers of guys like drop and they're not really progressing as much as females like WTF. And so they're starting like these small focus groups, small studies, small programs, not to the fanfare and tinker tape parades, but they're happening because there's something going on. And it's not the physical, it's the mental stuff. Like it's nothing physical stopping these guys from going to college or progressing through. It's up here. They're not engaged. They're not, they're not, they don't care. There's like, they're, they're, there's a malaise. There's something going on. And, and it's nothing like, it's not a zero sum game where like, just because we pay attention to males for progression, it's not taking away from females. I mean, that's stupid to, to reduce to that argument is just regressive. Like you can't argue that anymore. Just because you're looking at females doesn't take away from males. Because you're looking at males doesn't take away from females or whatever. It's not a zero-sum game. I, so I experienced the same thing, but at a different angles. So my own anecdotal story, I talk to people, okay? My show is conversations with people. I find a topic I'm interested in, and then I kind of invite someone on from that area, and I want to talk about it with that person and hopefully educate myself. When I reach out to someone and they go, do you only talk to male guests? I've talked to a thousand something people. They're I saw not that. Well, all 1072, ma- something like that. Yeah, 1070. Well, I'm at 1088 now. I post an episode a day. So That's a tough. when I get a message from a female psychologist that tells me, do you only reach out to male guests? I'm like, no, there's females in there. Well, you're, you should fix your gender gap in your podcast. What the fuck are we talking about? Like I'm reaching out. Sorry. First of all, I always hit them with this. 33% of researchers are female. That's it. 33%. Now take an account for the people that say no. Okay. Not every single person of the 33% is going to say yes. So they're not understanding. Like I'm not looking at gender. I'm not looking at race. I'm not looking at any of that. I just want to talk to someone about this thing that I'm interested in. Now the conversation goes wherever it goes, but that I don't like that either, which is the aspect of, I don't like how there needs to be like, since this person's been established for so long, we have to knock them down and make them equal with this. It's like, you're not really helping out the young, like, it's cause I'm a guy. I have to be sorry that, you know, there hasn't been a large amount of women in academia, like the STEM stuff, all that type of stuff. I get the purpose behind it. I just don't think it's initially carried out correctly. I don't think it's supposed to, I think it loses intent. It gets raged up and it ends up hurting somebody along the way. Like the emotional depression or just pain of like, I don't even fucking want to reach out to anybody on a show. I experienced that because it's, it, what, what do you get? You get labeled a sexist because of how many people you talk to rather than, are you just happy? I'm having conversations with people. Like it loses well, the initial know thing. Tr- well, only you know your true ambition and you stated clearly here that that was not, per- your, that's not your purpose at all. So, I mean, people got to take you for your word for it. And no, you can't help who's involved in which field that you want that you're interested in. So, like, I totally agree with you with that. I mean, as long as you're true to your your whatever, it's fine. I mean, so I would not knock you on that. I mean, I wouldn't go to, you know, I, I mean, you're a young guy. You're probably interested in young guy things, which may be probably more populated by male researchers or whatever. So, I don't knock you. I mean, people. I mean that. That's on the side of like the boomerang thing that I just talked about before. Like, I don't really know what this person was saying to you. So I really, I'm speaking out of context. It's like, like 15 I'm, people. It's, it's, it would be 15 that I've come across so far. Now, I don't know if I it's mean, people like always roll their eyes at me. Like I say, like I, again, like my, my, non, or my wife and I, my, my wife's the CEO of the nonprofit. It's called the Male Wellness Collective. When I tell people that, they're like, hmm. some people are like, oh, I'm like, what? <laughs> You're researching guys? How dare I? You know, it's like so stupid. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, we're half the population. It's like, why not? And I'm a guy. 
I mean, I, I have a wife and I have two daughters, but like, I'm still a guy and I want to help other guys out because I know what I've been through and I know what, what I've been through, what helped me. I'm hoping that learned experience help other guys. It's just like people see the, veneer, it's like a veneer. It's like this book. It's like a, they show like this book cover. I can't see it to my thing, but like, and they look at the cover, but they don't ever read the pages. And they're kind of like, what's my purpose to it? And they just they judge you on the outside. It happens a couple of times to me. And it's really unbecoming. I've become so used to it over the years. It's becoming less and less now, I guess. I don't know. Wait, but. So your nonprofit is an overall wellness for men? Yeah, yeah. It's not just testicular cancer. It's more so mental, emotional health, spiritual health stuff. It's not so much physical stuff. Do you find it getting better or do you find it's it's just progressively like, is it at a halt? Is it getting worse? Because to me, I know people talk about the number of depression that's going up and everything like that too. But I was like, I, I think it's definitely getting worse. And I think we're finding better ways to deal with it and cope with it. But there's still a large amount of people that are suffering silently. Like when you start learning about like invisible illnesses, like people that have like a disease that doesn't have a cure or something like that. Well, depression is something that's an invisible illness. There's a lot of people where they're ramped up to 10 inside and they're not the type that inflicts pain on other people because they've been hurt. They'll inflict pain on themselves. And, you know, this is not just, I know it falls, I fall in the category of just people in general, not just females or males, but there is a large amount. It's probably skewed more towards there's males that just won't talk about these types of things, even with their friends or best friends and even family members as well, too. So tell me, have you ever been a pro, like, just say you went to your guy friend before, now, whenever. And would you ever say, hey, guys, could I talk to you about how I'm feeling inside? Like, I feel kind of sad that um, this girl, whoever is not getting back to me, I feel kind of rejected. You know, I feel like, you know, like my self-worth is taking hit. You would never have that conversation with your guy friend, ever. I mean, I don't think you would. I mean, it's not expected for us to be like that. And if you did, you probably get some side eye, like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Why are you talking to me like this? Which is complete horseshit because we should be able to talk like that to other guy friends. But we don't do that ever. Females do. And why is that? Because they're, uh, they're, they're raised to be like that. Open up, share your feelings. And if you look at the mental health outcomes, I mean, look at the, again, I go back to these statistics. These guys are like dying inside, literally. Again, we said suffering silently. I always say that there's a, there's a silent crisis going on. These guys just are not opening up because they're not told to. And they just hold it all in. Look at how many, all the mass shootings going on in these schools. There's a certain profile going on. If you look at the profile of these guys, it's not anything access to guns. I'm not going to get into the gun issue. Like, I don't think it's access to guns. If you want to go mass kill somebody with, with pens, you can, you can kill someone with a, with a goddamn pencil. Well, there are people that would matter. be skewed probably if you could pick them out in a lineup. That kid was probably severely bullied in school. Exactly. They're probably dejected emotionally, rejected mentally, a loner, just feeling worthless. And it's the same type of person. It's not some school jock that's like getting late every weekend, blowing people up with an AR-15. You know what I mean? It's not like that. It's these people that are rejected emotionally and rejected mentally and just socially. So that's why you go back to your answer, or go back to your question. Uh, we're focusing on like emotional, mental health more so. That's way more damaging to society than the physical health stuff. I mean, like you're pissing blood, you go, you know, you get checked for prostate cancer. But like if you're broken immensely i mean if you're pissing emotion blood emotionally that has the effect to hurt other people yourself but other people 
abuse. You can become abusive, become violent. Violent can turn into like, it's, it, it, to think of the scope of like what someone's capable of doing to other people is, is, can be frightening. And it really stems from like these people that are emotionally broken. And so that's why we kind of focus on those people. Well, you know, like a whiskey dick, right? Like when you're drunk. Yeah. And, okay. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing with emotional damage as well, too. There's a lot of people oh, yeah. that can't, even without depressants or that leading to that issue, it's people that just feel inadequate with themselves where they don't want to be near anybody because they can't function properly. That doesn't, that just means mentally. That just means anything. It doesn't have to just be physically as well, too. I'm just curious, what's your age, uh, group or range that you get maybe or people that you deal with at your nonprofit is it all across the board or is it just like you, you see a large amount of a certain age range because i wonder this is kind of so in my area i'm in a maryland weed's a big big thing it's kind of like oregon it's kind of like decriminalized in a sense but i've come across a lot of people that i've known like friends of mine that i've known smoke in like middle school and where they're at now and they regret it a hundred percent and I go like, what's wrong? They're like, I feel like my life's been on freeze. And I'm like, what? They're like, all I do is get high. And it's like, you, you do neglect a lot of like your basic kind of like going after stuff. It does make you a little bit lazy in a sense. I mean, you can use it to a positive. I'm not just knocking weed here, but I'm saying there's a lot of people that are feeling like major depression issues. And it's like, I thought that was supposed to make you happy. It's like, yeah, but you got to keep smoking it. You got to keep getting it. And then you're happy. But imagine afterwards when you're sober and you're kind of like, just realize your life's been on freeze for the past, like. 10, 15 years. And that's like a big shocking, sobering thing. Well, well, that's an external, you know, they're just masking what's going on internally. You know what I mean? Like you, you wake and bake, like I'm an advocate for marijuana. Like I, I used to smoke marijuana. And I was governor. I'd make it illegal. <laughs> oh, really? I've had the worst experiences, but all my friends and family do it. So I'm like, whatever. I mean, like for, for me, this is for me. Like what I, I, I have not smoked in God knows, I don't know how long, over a decade, but when I was in college, I used to, and like, I'm not gonna like hide that. I mean, it's ridiculous to hide that stuff because like in my head, there's no difference between smoking a joint and like drinking a bottle of vodka, like for how I was. In That's fact, like the probably, least cool thing you could do is smoke and drink. You gotta do like cocaine to really get on the top exactly of the right. charts now. But I'm saying like you smoking a joint in my head is no more, is no more damaging than you like pounding like five vodka tonics or something in a night. It's the same thing. In fact, you're probably just more a little bit more chill with the with the joint than you are with the with the vodka tonics. But um it's just an external, it just it just masks over what's going down because you get high, you're fine, but then you come back down to earth and you're still that broken guy inside. So it's not doing anything for you. That that pot's not even like when you when you're putting therapy and they put you on drugs to help you get through to the they're working that drug. I mean, I'm not gonna go into antidepressants, but any kind of these like drugs or whatever, they're there to help soothe some of the symptoms of the larger issue down deep inside. They're how to they're how they're like bridged to kind of cross these gaps that you're associating yourself with or you're involved with. It's not there to help put the fill in the gap. It's just there to help you cross it through therapy. It's they're just like an external, but down deep. If you don't address that, I mean that's what the problem uh, what the biggest problem is. What um how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? 41. See I think when you talked about like how you're when you teach your class and stuff, you're more open platform. I think the way you come off like it, it makes you feel like you're at my level, which I'm 24. 
but it makes you feel like you're my age and you're talking to me like a friend would rather than speaking down like a, a, a teacher or like- I used to hate those professors when I was in college. I, hate that, I think that's the best way to really kind of recognize and probably get under the dirt of a lot of issues as well too, which I, I, I mean, with your nonprofit, for instance, I'm just, is like, is that the fix? Is that what you guys are starting to notice? Is like, you're not really, I guess- trying to be like, Oh, we're going to do this or we're going to implement this. But you're like, you're more just open to the ideas of like, there's an overall, like all around the board thing that you got to do. Uh, we do programs and stuff, but there's a, there's um, the biggest impact is yeah. It, it, the program is just, is just the tool. Um, what I found that, any guy that's involved with our nonprofit programs or just kind of involved just to, to, through our network is if you just provide a space for them to talk, opportunity to kind of share something with them, it could be in a group, it could be one-on-one. -on -one. I had both that these guys and I, there's one program we ran, it was called Good Vibes. And it's pretty much, we're trying to get guys involved with meditation and yoga, just to kind of like, as one way, if they want to explore that as a way to help themselves. Great, because I'm a practitioner of that. Like I like to do it, like I'm um, a Dharma follower. So like I meditate every day and, you know, I try to do yoga, but my body, bro, at 41, I can't bend certain ways and I'm trying. <laughs> but like, I'm trying to, get, like, it helped me. I used to be a rageful fucking lunatic, bro. Like when I was younger, just rage, just crazy stuff. And I changed dramatically from implementing self-care techniques, but then meeting my wife, but um, it helped me. So I'm trying to get this to other guys to do. Uh, but anyway, my, the point is we're up in this thing and we're doing these things and it's fun. And, you know, we had a whole range of guys go from like these Marines to like these MMA fighters, like these computer geek nerd type guys to like everyone in between. And pretty cool. Every color, length of hair, facial hair, not whatever dude you can possibly imagine was there. And um, I had a couple breakthroughs of these guys, like, cause like I would facilitate these talks in between like going to, you know, hanging out and doing some yoga. You get to know somebody. Yeah. Well, yeah, and and because um, I share my own personal story, like I was sexually abused when I was a kid, and I went through a lot of other stuff when I was a kid. I, I was bullied. I was a bully, you know. I had depression issues. I was suicidal at one point. I did almost get arrested for like X, Y, and Z, and but now I'm like this cuddly-ish type dad that I have two daughters that I like. You know, so it's just it's weird. I feel like I live nine lives, but. Um, but like, I, so I share my stories and just try to like make a connection, like what you're saying. Like, I know what you're going through, buddy. You know, like I'm older and balder and fatter, but like, I still know what you're going through. And so I had this one guy, he's an MMA fighter. Um, he's a grappler and he pulled me aside and he's like, I never told anybody this before, but like, I was sexually abused when I was a kid and it happened for years and kids started crying. And like, it happens a lot. It just I find it much more, I don't know, like fulfilling to kind of like help somebody get through that wall. If I could just be there just to kind of say, what's up? And just have a conversation, just to kind of give them an opportunity to kind of talk about it. Because, and, and going back to your point is like, and the only reason why that happens is because you're kind of connecting with them at a horizontal level, sort of vertical level. Like you're like, you're right there with them, you know, instead of like talking down, which is bullshit. It's like, I, I hate that. 
like I'm a professor. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. Like this UCF stuff or this, this professor job of mine is like a side gig. Is it just like a side piece, like a side gig? Um, I'm much more interested in like coffee than I am like <laughs> academia. Like, you know, like I, I, I have other things going on because like I, I don't take myself too seriously with this stuff because like there's like a bigger battle of life going on. And so that's where I kind of focus my efforts on. See, I expected that to leak into like um, the younger generations or, or kids my age, for instance. Like when I reach out to a kid my age who's a professor or a teacher or something like that at an institution that are researching something, they're very, very strict. They're very, very like uptight, like every professor that I've ever known that ever does this. And it's like, you see this, it's like, it's so hard to normalize and get this like bait, like this, what we're, me and you are doing, this is like the essence of my show. It's just conversation. It's kind of just chilling and having a talk and deeper discussion on things. But so much of it becomes like this very formal thing. And I, I, I wish people would understand is that like, if it's like selling a book, if you're going to sell your book, the best thing to do is not talk about your book. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. You still want me to talk about my book. It's like, no, people want to like you and then read what you've done. But when you don't create an established or connection with someone, which is like my whole goal, and I consider myself failing if I don't do it in an episode, is to get to that level. But it's so hard because like people want to seem very, very professional, very, very certain because they're afraid that it's going to impact the rest of their career. And that's never how it is. Well, I mean, if you're just true to yourself and you talk, even if you talk to somebody that's like a different persuasion than you, you can, I mean, I, I am not averse to talking to anybody. Like as long as you're true to my, like if I'm true to myself, I'm like, I kind of keep my own perspective. And I kind of like, even if they're saying these crazy ass things, I'm kind of like, well, you know, but that's your thing, bro. And you do what you want. As long as you're not hurting other people, it's fine. But that, that's not how I roll. But anyway, it's like, what's their life experience? A lot of these professors that I had are like these socially like awkward people i'm like i don't know where you were raised but you're definitely not raised where i was and so like and how i was raised is more like my dad was a auto part salesman my mom was a secretary i live like my life not on the streets but we were out doing our thing like learning as we went like whatever and so i i'm appreciative of that kind of like street knowledge that you learn and how i was raised and i think if you look at the way these people were raised these professors or whoever, it doesn't matter, professor, it could be a fucking mechanic or whatever. Uh, not to draw any kind of parallels because some of the smart people I ever known were mechanics. And they saw me, some of these mechanics that my dad used to work with taught me some of the greatest lessons in my life, um, really. Um, but it's how they were raised. At, like, were they raised among the people? Were they raised like scraping by? Were they raised like I, with a little bit of diversity? Were they raised where they had to work for some of the stuff that they got? Were they raised with like, you know, going through trials and tribulations to kind of learn from mistakes to kind of get to a better place? I tend to believe that if you're raised from that persuasion, that you've been through these personal battles, that you become more relatable people because you're not, you don't take yourself too seriously. And people that are raised in a bubble, they have PhDs. I've made a lot of them. I work with a lot of them. They're kind of like, I am holier than thou. I'm like, get the fuck over yourself. I'm like, really, dude, like, it's not like that at all. Like, you can have a conversation about whatever variable to the nth degree and be super smart, like, about this. And like, oh, my God. But then, like, you can't even talk about, like, the stock exchange or, like, what a good coffee roast is or, like, you know, what's going on at city council. You're so limited with that stuff. So don't, I mean, anyway, back to your point, like it's a relatability factor, but I do think it's how you're raised that kind of makes you more relatable or less relatable. I think you cultivate experience. I just, yeah, exactly. How yep. do you enter that in when you look at like 
there's some, there's landmines that I feel like we use every single day that kind of make us worse, I would say mentally. And that would be social media would be my biggest example. I post and ghost. I do one up. I do one post a day and that's it. I just can't be on it. It's just bad for the mental health for me, maybe not for somebody else. Um, but I've noticed a significant increase in happiness after taking off of it and just kind of experiencing life. But when you go and try and be this open or this experiencer, it's, it's, it's not only the fact we're being relatable, there's just very, very bad interactions with people say, I go and experience stuff. And it's like, what do you do? It's like, I go on social media and I join these groups. It's like, yeah, but those groups are so limited. And those groups are sometimes seen through a screen. It's something different. You like personal accountability as well, too. I mean, people feel like they don't have any responsibility or anything. They can just say whatever they want to people online. But then like, it's different when it's in person. Do They don't act like that ever. And I feel like you got to understand, like, especially when we talk about mental health, for instance, whether you're male, female or whatever, we all understand a bit of what that is. Now, everyone experiences maybe their own thing differently. But if you overall want to help the population and everyone starts retweeting an article like about lockdowns and about depression, about all this type of stuff. Well, what are you doing to fix it besides tweeting an article about it? You know what I mean? Like there's not a whole lot of actual things being done. And I think it does come from not only talking with people, but also just like you got to make deeper connections. Like conversation has been like the one thing that's really kind of saved me out of everything is just talking to so many people, whether they stay like, you know, messaging me all the time or something like that. But it's the doors you open. It's the conversations that you have that you start understanding is that everyone's thinking about the same thing, like the same issues and all these core kind of problems that are going on. But everyone thinks that their angle is the only angle rather than it's just a piece of the puzzle. And I think like if you just like talk it out, you'll start to see those puzzle pieces really fit together and then you can eliminate the core issue. Well, people like live in an echo chamber. Like they only talk to people that, 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 that think like them. And so it just becomes this, this cycle of just perpetual, just perpetual, like same shitness that it makes any sense. It's got to have conversation with, with different people with, with different topics and be open to that kind of, even if you don't agree with them, it just be open to talking to them. It can kind of broaden your perspective of different things and make you more relatable. Um, there's a, uh, an author, Johan Hari. Um, I've been reading a lot of his books. He has a book called Lost Connections, and there's a book called Stolen Focus. He really goes into depth and really great job with like this lack of connections that we have and like how it's leading to, and I, I guess back to what you're saying about, you know, depression and stuff. I'm not going to take his words and kind of make his point for him, but he's pretty much saying that it's not so much the antidepressants that can cure depression. It's more so like connecting with people. It's like we've, we've lost the ability to connect with others. And um, he was kind of getting to the point like there's a, probably a place and a time and, and a purpose for antidepressants and whatever else. But there's also a place for sitting down, having a cup of coffee with somebody and kind of talking about things and just connecting with somebody that can also be contributed to mental wellness. And the other book, Stolen Focus, is about this lack of attention we have. We can't even focus for more so than a few minutes without checking our phones or checking this or be blinking lights or just looking around because we're so, so distracted. So his name is Johan Hari. He's a, he's a, two great books. With, uh, with, with the attention thing, do you think that's because people have an unrealistic understanding of their time? 
Like, it seems like people feel like they're on a time crunch. Like they have to hurry up and get things moving. Like as a person that does a, a content creation show, if you're not doing a podcast one minute, you're doing a TV show the next, you're not doing a million different things, then you're out of the game because everyone's doing their own things. But I think you just have an unrealistic expectation of your own time in a sense. And I think that leads to attention spans getting so short. I mean, I'm, I work with a lot of kids that are just turning like 20 and I'm not that much older than them, but I'm noticing a significant gap in just the wherewithal that they have. Like if something comes up or like there's two people at the desk, they start freaking out and having these inner angst or these kind of I guess, open anxiety attacks where I would understand it, but it's more, mine's way more internal where I go like, I know what you're feeling right now because I feel it on the inside, but I kind of like move on past it. But like, I'm noticing a lot of people now like having these breakdowns, like someone just walked out of work one time and I just had to stay there and just work that shift. I was like, what the hell just happened? I was like, but they're like in their twenties. And I'm like, is it that much of a gap? Like, I'm, it's, it's, I hope it's not. Cause then you start wondering with the kids coming up to five-year-olds, the six-year-olds, the seven-year-olds. Well, there's two things with that. So um, one deals with multifactoriality, which is a really fancy term for like a bunch of stuff causes a bunch of other stuff. And the other point was um, uh, experience and like how things are changing back to my other point. So um, let's go to the second point. So Again, there's what I'm noticing. Now, again, I'm not saying that what I went through, what I am, what I, at, what I like is any better than what's going on. Cause I don't even know. Cause in 20 years from now, it could be something better than whatever I'm preaching. So whatever. But from what I've seen, like when I was a kid, we, we were like, like my first job, I was five years old. Literally I was sweeping floors at my dad's auto parts store, our store, just sweeping up. Like it was like five bucks I'd get for the afternoon. I was like five or six. I'm not, it's not child slave labor. It's just like, my dad's like, once you come to the store with me, have our bo his boss sweep some miles, whatever. He taught me some accountability, just hanging out with my dad at the store, sweep some miles, got five bucks to go buy some candy and shit like that. But as I got older, though, I shoveled sidewalks and I was working. Like I had my first job when I was 12. And, uh, you know, I was in a small town, so it wasn't like dangerous at all, but I, I was working like nonstop. And so like, I went through all that anxiety shit when I was a kid, like I got that all out of my blood. And so when I was like delivering pizzas or laying, literally I used to, I used to lay brick and uh, mix cement and sell auto parts, deliver auto parts, deliver pizzas. I did everything. It was like crazy. I got over that anxiety thing like way long ago. So again, it's about the experience you have like growing up. It's like what you've been through. Some of these kids, they literally are just living just so isolated. I never had this social media stuff when I was a kid. So that was definitely a plus factor. I was never distracted by Instagram, like fucking scrolling for hours at a time. We didn't have that. So we had to have other things. And usually it was outside communicating with people and interaction. And that kind of protects you against these anxiety fits from my perspective, because you learn out there how to deal with that. You go to it in the beginning, but then you learn that just like that, that hierarchy is kind of like established out there, like where you are in that and like how you adjust and how you move up and down, depending on what your behaviors are and what your mentality is. People are not given that opportunity anymore, particularly these kids. Like you don't see them so much having that kind of lifestyle. It's all on these things now and stuff like that. How do you establish some kind of hierarchy? Well, I don't know. It's about experience. And so that's why I probably say that's why you see these kids dropping out these jobs because they never experienced that before like i had that 
situation when I was like eight, not when I was 28, you know? Yeah. And it's more acceptable when you're eight, get over that, then you're more equipped to deal with that later. The other thing is multifactoriality, and that deals with like why they're like that, these kids or kids, these people, fertility, cancer, even cup, again, go back to coffee. I mean, how, how significant is cancer, like in prostate cancer? How significant is it? Like, is it very, very common that I don't know about? I thought it was like a rare thing. No, prostate cancer is the biggest like cancer killer in guys. It's probably Jesus the most Christ. common cancer in guys. It's like lung cancer, prostate cancer. Like the Why are we thing. so afraid of a prostate exam then if you're worried about how big prostate uh, Dude, prostate exams, again, it's like the whole anal sex thing with the whole gay thing. Like That's where know, it stems like, from? People go there. I'm like, listen, like it's, you know, they go, <laughs> oh, that, that's gay. Digital uh, rectal exam. What? But that people always think that. And it's like so ridiculous. Listen, the digital rectal exam, literally 10 seconds can save your life. It's like, deal your prostate, you go, and you can, it can help save your life. It's not a big deal at all. Is, it, is there a home test I can do? They actually have, well, for colon cancer, they do. I don't know, for prostate cancer, I'm sure they're developing something, but, but it's not a big deal. Literally, you, it's for what, you, what you're experiencing there on the table for DRE, it's nothing compared to if you have stage three prostate cancer, pissing blood about to die because it's metastasizing your lungs. Trust that, me, hold you're on. gonna want to have the uncomfortability of being on a table, getting two fingers up your ass, than like dying of cancer in your bed when you can't even piss or shit at all because you're all wrecked inside. Trust me. What are the symptoms to lead up to like maybe you should go get checked for prostate cancer? Yeah. Well, my thing's testicular cancer, but prostate cancer, I mean. Well, testicular cancer then, let's do that one. Well, testicular cancer, see, you're, the, you're at the exact age where it's the highest risk. It's like 15 to 35 year olds, 15 to 40 year olds. That's really, it's the highest risk, yeah. But the thing is with that, it's so curable if you catch it early. Well, prostate cancer, it's so curable if you catch it early. Prostate cancer, you deal with that when you're older. But the problem is like, you're starting to see younger cases of it. There's like people in their 30s getting prostate cancer, which is fucking unheard of 20 years ago. Well, that's the thing. Multifactoriality it could be so many different things. It could be genetics. It could be your diet. It could be your lifestyle. Like, here's what's fucked up about cancer is like, it could have been like what your grandfather, like, like my grandfather was a coal miner and he worked in the, uh, this aluminum factory. And whatever he was exposed to as a kid, that could have, if, if there was some kind of like damaged like DNA or whatever, that could have been passed on to my father which could pass on to me. They call it epigenetics. So you could live in a bubble and still get some kind of like weird lung cancer because of what your grandfather, great, great, great grandfather or mother was exposed to back way yonder. There's studies about this, like these Swedish immigrants, like they had this famine in the 1800s and shit like that. But what their bodies went through during this famine, it changed them genetically in some sort of kind of mutation which is now affecting their descendants. Like now how their metabolism is and shit like that. It's so bizarre. There's like these, there's this um, tribe of, uh, uh, of Native Americans in Arizona. I forget the tribe's name, but <clears throat> they're dealing with a huge obesity problem. Like it's out of control. It's, it's, it's really an issue, but they're, blame, they're blaming the, the issue on back before, <clears throat> excuse me, European colonialization and whatever their lifestyle was a period of feast and a period of famine. And so during whatever time of year, there were plenty of game, there was rains, there was crops, and they ate and their metabolism like 
amped up to burn the stuff. When it was a period of famine, when there was limited game because of migration or limited rain because and the, like limited the crops, their body's metabolism kind of like went down because there wasn't a lot of food. You can't burn through all this energy when you don't have a food. You're going to starve to death. The issue is this. Now we live in McDonald's land and whatever. So their bodies are still going through feasts and famine, like metabolism, like waves, but their food is still staying like straight. So they could be burning it one year, but like not burning another, like the one time a year, but not the other time a year when they should have been doing it like they were historically. But that's why you're seeing these, obi- that's one reason why they're starting to s- suggest that these, these obesity rates are so high. What happened generations ago is still affecting them now, but their lifestyle has changed. It's, again, so multifactoriality, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, I mean, anything can cause these different things. It's, it's so nuts. It could have been what your grandfather went through. It could be what you're smoking, what you're drinking, shit luck, what we're breathing in the air. Who the fuck knows? It's so crazy with cancer. And that goes with how a cup of coffee tastes to if you're going to develop the depression. There's so many factors that you don't, there, it's not A causes B. It's 1,045 A's are causing B. And you just don't even know what the strength of each of those 1,045 A's are on causing B. Like there's, it could be a minimal amount. It could be a significant, like large amount. We just don't even know. We, and you, you'll, you'll never know this. It's impossible to know what exactly is causing it. You could say smoking causes lung cancer. Yeah, but we all know Aunt Nancy was smoking Virginia Slim 100s for 47 years. You know, and she's still smoking them and she's in her 90s and her lungs are like that of an infant versus some dude who's like running super marathons, never smoked a day in his life, died of lung cancer after six months. Well, that's why I say you can't do one size fits all medicine because each individual person's unique. It's just, it's strange because like, so I have a digestive issue um, where I I won't go to the bathroom for weeks, like weeks. Um, And it's been for four years now. They just can't figure out what it is. They keep saying it's stress related, which is just ridiculous. Um, dietary changes, anything you could possibly think of to make you go to the bathroom doesn't work. But when I went to go get an x-ray and they give you that liquid to drink, um, when they put the x-ray machine on like my stomach area to get an x-ray of it, I was like, I started burping and I was like, I could feel like when the x-ray, like I could feel that. And they're like, there's no way you could feel that. I was like, no, I could feel that a hundred percent i could feel that and then i did an mri because they were trying to see like if there was like when i found out the disc issue and everything they were doing a full body scan and i was like i can tell it's on he's like there's no way you can tell it's on the machine could be making noise you can't tell it's on i'm like you have it on right now and then he turned it off and then it was like a couple minutes later i was like now it's off and he goes I don't know how you're feeling that. And I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'm sensitive to it. I don't, I, I don't know what that is, but like, it's this idea that like to think that there isn't one person out there, one thing or one rare thing where someone is a little bit more sensitive in a certain area. That's how, you know, like it's how someone can hit a vape and have a bad experience or something like that. When everyone can smoke it all day, every day, whatever they want. And they're perfectly fine. I think there needs to be these more understanding in that aspect of things, but I give doctors a huge as much as I dislike going to them, I do give them a big credit when it comes to being able to try and figure out a problem when there's an immense amount of stuff that goes wrong. Like me having like a, they're talking about like a, 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 a psychotic or psychosis issue when it comes to not going to the bathroom. Like maybe it's, it's something psychological or something like that, that we just can't figure out. And I'm like, well, how do you fix that? It could be a nerve or something like that. And I'm like, 
well, how do you fix that when there's a ton of them in there? Like, we're going to try our best. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, it's, <laughs> I know. But going back to your point, you could be sensitive to that stuff. I don't even know. But like, just the, if you go back to the 1850s and 60s, they had no idea what bacteria were or viruses were. Germ theory. I mean, yeah, that didn't proffer until like the late 1800s. They didn't know that that Black Plague was caused by Yersinius pestis until I think the Hong Kong, uh, the Hong Kong uh, epidemic of Black Plague, I think in the 1890s, but don't quote me on that. I think something along that line. That's not that long ago. They didn't know that Black Plague was caused by bacteria back then. It's crazy. I, I mean, it's not that long ago. So, I mean, if you were in 1720 saying like, there's bacteria, there's viruses, there's microbes, they'd probably burn you at the stake for being a heretic. Just because we don't know now what stuff's like, what's really going on, doesn't mean it's like not true, you know. So it could be that there could be a whole host of people now that are hypersensitive to like MRIs or CAT scans or whatever that you can actually feel the magnetic resonance or something like that. Yeah, who the hell knows? I mean, it could possibly could happen. I don't know. I wonder that with our devices, for instance. Like, there's like, is that maybe our bodies anything? are evolving? We're around all these goddamn phones and TVs and computers and whatever else all day maybe our body's evolving to kind of help you maybe we're actually sensing somebody's waves or whatever going who the hell knows you're leading you to my that stuff. you're leading to my like little theory about evolution i go you know how like the alpha males back in the day were like biker jacket big strong like huge tall like seven feet freaks and then you lead into this area now where the alpha man now is like a bill gates it's like it's the the, the area's kind of shifted I tell my classes this all the time because they're all because <laughs> usually they're going to um, med schools or grad schools or like some kind of health profession. I'm like, look at me. You know who runs the world? Nerds. Nerds run the world. Look at Bill Gates. Look at Steve Jobs back then. Look at all these people that are in high tech. They're running the world. Like it's these people that you'll never suspect as being like this alpha, like rawr. They're not running the world. Then one person like that, that that's actually making important decisions now. They're not. They're not. Even like in politics, it's like these people that are a little bit sheepish, a little bit whatever behind the scenes. They're the type that run the world. I'm telling you, it's 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 like I would lend credence a little bit to this you know theory that you're having. Steve Jobs, he had pancreatic cancer. Yeah, and I remember he tried so many like holistic stuff. And then towards the end, he was like, I should have just listened to like the regular doctors or done what I was supposed to do and maybe attacked it early. But it was that whole type of thing where he was refusing to go to the doctor because he was like, I'm fine. I'll brush it off. And I heard Bill, uh, Bill Maher talk about that because there is he does talk about that. There's a recent episode of him on Joe Rogan where he talks about the neglect that a lot of people like even now, like when they're they're studying the human anatomy, they're like, oh, we just found this new thing that's been there that we never knew about. And it's like, you don't tell me you have like trust the scientists, trust this because you're still figuring it out. Like, be honest with that type of stuff. And he put it like in this most rational thing where I'm like, you can get a lot of hate for saying stuff like that, where people say like, trust the science. I'm just like, look, you can't put that on everything. You just have to understand that science is constantly changing. Exactly. Yeah. Even, with, even with COVID, like <clears throat> I'm, I'm a proponent of vaccines. I always have been. I'll get my daughter's the second of the, my two-year-old when she comes out, she's going to get the vaccine. I'm a, so, but like, so anyway, th that just being said, like, but like the science is always, in, I mean, when COVID happened, you know what the hell it was? I mean, and even I'm speaking from a research perspective here, like we don't, we're not like some super 
whatever that we know all these answers we don't and especially with someone like that that just impacted everybody so quickly it's impossible to kind of know anything from the get-go and then it takes a long time to figure stuff out and to be really secure in what you're telling people because and and this is my gripe with these academics or intellectuals that i work with or just in general intellectuals you know Words matter and words carry weight and words can mean people's lives. And so I'm always an advocate. And Thomas Sowell, I'm a big fan of Thomas Sowell. He wrote a book called Intellectuals in Society. And um, <clears throat> he was explaining how intellectuals, like no one holds an intellectual accountable to the words that they're mentioning or saying something like that. Like <clears throat> if, if I was a surgeon and I did something wrong or I was a CEO and I made a wrong decision, I'm accountable for that. I'm going to get fired or what my, my license taking away. There's a lot of accountability with my actions. But if I'm an intellectual and I write a paper and I say something like, you know, like, hey, I have a new theory. You should sell all your stocks and buy this and do whatever and do it now. And people do that. It's, the, it, it's economically ridiculous and causes stock market crash. I'm not held accountable for that. You know, so these intellectuals are kind of like floating above. And so I'm always careful to say, watch what you say, your words matter. When it comes to the whole COVID situation, people expected these researchers to kind of like know everything right away. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. And they got to be careful what they say because they know what they say carries a lot of weight. Now, I do believe that, that a lot of people kind of fumble the ball a bit with the messaging, for sure. Yeah, they said a lot of stuff. I've changed my... um. I had a vaccine injury lawyer on and he was all pro like get your shot, get your mandates. It's not against your freedom. And I'm, I was against that entirely that episode, but then I've had a couple of people on afterwards that were talking about like the mask issues and they're researchers, immunologists and microbiologists that kind of swung a little bit more in my direction of things. But the more I'm starting to kind of have an issue with is I don't have an issue with vaccines. I just have an issue with not all the information being there. And I, I have an issue with, we don't have it. Well, we don't have it. Yeah, but I, I have an issue with forcing people as well, too. Like, I get it, but I also understand it's like, it's not one size fits all medicine. I mean, and that's with anything. Like, I just want all the proper information. I want, you know, if you're going to tell me 100% this, don't bullshit me. Like, give me all of that. Tell me what you do and don't know. You see, like, I, I, I definitely hear you. I see, I'm, see, the thing is, like, my persuasion, like, I, I'm, I'm trained in public health. So, like, I'm more of a, Sound like a weird amalgam of like deontologists versus like, you know, utilitarian. It all depends on what the topic is, I guess. But I don't know. We can debate that for a different day. But I'm all about vaccines. But here's the problem. Like people that are either really, 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 really pro-vaccine, like forcing people to do this and whatever. And other people are like, don't step on me. I want my freedom. Like, roar. So, okay, whatever you are, I respect that. Like, I will listen to you. But... This is where I get pissed off. Be consistent, all right? When people are like, I'm not taking any side here, but just for example, if someone's like, don't step on my freedom, don't make me force to get the vaccine. Hold on, but, can we switch that the, word to peanut butter just because YouTube flags it if it's talked about too much? <laughs> just say, don't make like, me get my peanut butter. That would be yeah, great. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. So, but the thing is like, but then they're going to, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about the whole thing. That's the whole thing with the flag. Yeah, peanut butter. We'll do peanut butter. But like, but then on the flip side, they're kind of like, um, 
I mean, just in Florida here, they're they're passing laws for like what you can put in textbooks, what you can't. They're banning or, Disney. Thank God, Disney needs the, restrictions. Fuck Disney. But here's, but but, <laughs> but that's the thing though. They're all about like authoritarianism when it comes to certain topics, but not for others. And when it comes to like the other side, I'm very pro peanut butter. Get your peanut butter, Skippy. Shove it down my face. But when it comes to other topics, you're like, yo, don't define me. I'm like, which way is it? Now, here's the problem, though. Here's another caveat. It all depends on the topic. But then another thing is, like, who defines on what topic's more important or not? You get in this fucking conundrum where this goes all the way down the toilet. But, like, I wish there'd be more consistency when it comes to forcing people to do certain things versus not. Because both sides are chirping different things. Don't touch me. Touch me. Do it. Don't do it. But then they flip on different issues. I'm like, well, where are you when it comes to authoritarianism? That's where I get kind of annoyed because they both do it, both sides. I'm kind of like, dude, it's way more complicated than that. It goes topic to topic to topic. And we have to acknowledge that. When it, for me, when it comes to like peanut butter, like I'm all about getting your jar of Skippy and getting it down because we would not be alive if it wasn't for these things. Yeah, there's some hiccups, but like if it wasn't for that, we'd all be dead by the time we're 40 years old. Like I'd probably be dead by now. If it wasn't for peanut butter, you know, and I do believe that whatever the, 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 the oddities were people getting hurt or choking on their peanut butter or whatever it was for the years, it doesn't, it's, it, and sadly those stories exist, but it fucking pales in comparison to the amount of good is done for society. Uh, people are living to 110 years old because of peanut butter. Um, but that's just my personal view of it. Um, but yeah, I wish there was more consistency when it comes to society, when it comes to authoritarianism, because it really is flip-flop people. All over the place. I just I, I look at it like I just I, I would like all the information and anything and I get but I also I agree like, with you. I just like transparency on stuff. It's well, so I mean, hard because like thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like when it comes I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when it comes to the vaccines, when it comes to from, geez, from say uh, fucking peanut five, butter. Oh shit, peanut butter. Sorry, I'm bro. dead serious. Like that's already sketchy territory with YouTube, but I, I'm I get, trying. I get that, but I've talked to people who who are against it and who are for it as well. So I've talked to I've, with people that have testified against Anthony Fauci and with Anthony Fauci, the main leader of that whole thing. I'm not part. I'm learning more about it, and I'm kind of deciphering more. I'm having a less of a stand, stand against it than I was before against peanut butter, but. I'm, I, what I, what I, the main thing I've been throughout my whole entire life is I don't like being told what to do. I don't like, and I get I'm it. The same way. Well, I'm the I, same way. I, it's just an authority issue, but I also like, I don't, people can say it's all oh, your freedoms, all this type of stuff. I'm not, I'm not like that at all. I just, I get to this point where I go, it always just, the goal line just keeps moving. It's been like that throughout history. And I just kind of look at it a little bit differently. Well, I was saying with, with, with under five-year-olds. But I don't well. take Tylenol. So don't, don't hit me with that. <laughs> I'm not a big medicine taker either. Um, I let my body like, naturally beat that shit. <laughs> but under five-year-olds with this peanut butter stuff, like we agree, like this data needs to be readily available and for some reason and my, my wife and i were very pro skippy very pro jiff and but the thing is though we agree with that the data they're not throwing it out there and for some reason we don't know quite why and it's kind of annoying you know like the world has moved on except for those under five you know like they don't have any option to get protected like we all do like my parents have four tablespoons of peanut butter my under my, my two-year-old has zero. And so, but the data is not being released like it was before. So I would agree with you on that point. It's like, well, who's controlling this stuff and for what purpose? And so that's where I get kind of pissed off with. 
um because like so there is some common ground but i don't think we're i don't think we're arguing at all or at least it's not an argue that's gonna end the friendship but um i I, I see your point of view that's not for sure what's what's your take on disney uh i like disney like my daughters love it because we look we said annual we get annual passes so what it's a very oh yeah it's it because we live like right down the road we're not that far away (laughs) um we uh it's a very expensive walking path, put it that way, uh, for me. It's like you, you walk around and it's very expensive. But um, how do I think about it in terms of like an actual amusement park kind of a thing or like what they are like in theory as a company? Well, it's a, as a company, they're evil. But as an amusement park, it's seen as like a place of joy. And I, I wonder, because like this is what I've been thinking about with how they've been trending, especially like since uh, DeSantis said something about Florida's, I guess, no tax status or uh, Disney's no tax yeah, status. Yeah, they have this like this, this or was this, uh, I don't know too much about it. This, um, they had an independent government there. That's what the agreement was. Like when Walt Disney came in and bought up all the land in the 60s or something like that. Well, what disputes are going to happen with the, or just mental confusion is going to happen when these kids are, you're seeing people attack Disney and you're seeing people like, I'll joke around with it. I don't really like them that much just because I think they're kind of slowly owning everything like Google, um, which I have a massive issue with giant corporations just monopolizing. Well, they bought a ABC at the ESPN. Nick, I, like I see that. So it's like, they're hopping in the game and then we're now instead of having like how it was like with politics we're left and right we're having like people choose sides on their corporations and their companies that they feel invested into then they feel betrayed like i'm just i'm really worried about like younger kids that grow up like we want them to watch disney movies we want them to have this entertainment this childhood aspect but like i mean when you have is how long until it gets political like we had cnn the guy from whatever get on sesame street and talk about peanut butter like that's to me that was like a big like what the fuck like i don't know where your stance on that maybe i have a different say because i don't have kids but i just look at like i the innocence of a child to me like i don't want them to know the dangers of the world even though it's out there but i don't have kids but i look at this aspect like that is something you got to preserve because that does go and i see it from younger and younger ages, like seven and eight years old, you're having kids that are like kind of learning more and more because of the internet, because of so many factors. But it's it's like, what is that going to lead down the line when those kids are in their 20s or 30s? Are they going to have multiple different pill bottles for the amount of anxiety that they have? Like, I still don't like people even now when I hear a kid a little bit younger than me talk about, I take this for anxiety. It's like, damn it. Like there's gotta be something else. There can't just be a pill for it. I get there's some pills for some things, but when it comes to something like mental health or all these types of issues, I don't like that being the answer. I feel like there needs to be an open discussion. And I think it starts with, like we talked about in the beginning, the abuse that kind of gets thrown on to certain things or certain classifications of push this away, you're, you know, deal with it, do that type of stuff. I think you need to talk about all these things. And I think that starts with, you know, it's it's a tough topic mostly because i don't know how people are going to receive it but well i mean it just goes back to the point that yes like you know how can we change like what guys or like fertility or like cancer or whatever like emotion it all i i believe that um in order to change some of this stuff i just say take the social stuff like that we're guys I do believe that guys, we need to talk to guys earlier in their life about different things, like about uh, their sexual health in terms of like, look, you have a penis and you have testicles and you can get cancer. 
and your body's going to go through changes. Like I was never given sex ed ever. We never had sex ed. I remember distinctly in sixth grade, they took the females out to, to teach them about their ovaries and like their period and whatever else. And the guys were there playing paper football. And I remember like that, I'm like, where are they going? And they're like, well, they're going to go. I'm like, well, what's up with us? And so we were just like left to our own devices to learn about sex, drugs, and rock and roll kind of stuff, like on our own. But again, that's what it was. So I would have benefited from someone saying like, you're going to go through puberty, probably a little bit later than your female peers, but like this is what's going to happen to you. And you're going to have these emotions and this and this and this and this and this. Is what masturbation, I, I, I would have benefited from that because I get to learn on your own. Now, here's the thing is like, people are like, well, these kids are going to get anxiety. I'm like, well, compared to what? Like, look at our generation. Look at these people now. They're fucking popping pills left and right. There's so many prescription drugs being written for all these people. What they did before is no better than what's going on now. I mean, I don't think so. If you look at the litmus test of like what people are popping now, I'm like, there's got to be a better way than what these people are now. Because look at these people. Look at the average American. How many drugs are taking? I mean, it could be prescribed or non-prescribed. I mean, I, I don't know what was going on prior. Because if what was done, being done prior is leading them to what they are now, there's got to be something better. So I don't know. Like, I, I would probably fall more on the side of, like, I'm not saying, like, having explicit conversations with, like, two-year-olds about certain things. But, like, with seven, eight, I'd be like, yo, like, there are gay people in the world. And that it, it exists. And that's cool. And that's it. Because the issue is when you're shield, like this is how I'm, the more you're shielded from certain topics, the more ignorant you are of them. And the more ignorant you are of this, like the more potential the issues are later in life of like some kind of prejudice developing around that. I'm like, I'm all about having transparency. When that line is, I don't know. I'm not an expert in that field. But like I, we have conversations like with our six-year-old about, not about that, it's just, but there are different people out there and you know, and that's a great thing. And it, it's cool, but we're not sitting her down and like saying, this is this. I mean, we're not doing that. There's a subtle, contextual, artistic, if you want to call it, way of having conversations about important things, but geared towards the audience, what we're trying to have it with. Now, I don't know where that line is, but that's just how I follow stuff. When it comes to like guys, though, they need to be talking early about their emotions and their social situation and like whatever else earlier for sure, because we're not giving any talks at all. We got to talk to these kids pre-pubescent probably about this stuff. Do you think it would fall more on a parent or do you think it would fall more on like an institution to do that as well? It all too? depends, man. I don't know. There are a lot of shitty parents out there. A lot of great parents, a lot of shitty institutions, a lot of great ones. Who the hell knows? Who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, like I believe that great parenting can solve the world's problems. I do believe that. I do. Uh, I like, I believe in having loving parents can solve a lot of fucking problems or loving parents or loving guardian or somebody there to show them love. I agree. Yeah. Show them respect. But sometimes that is not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. And so where are they going to get that from? It's got to be from somebody and it's probably from some, some institution. I, it, that is a conundrum. Uh, that, is, uh, that is an issue because sometimes these parents, they don't know what's up. Sometimes institutions don't really know what's up because there's all a, there's a chemical issue that they don't really understand. And so I, you can have an institution trying to implement some kind of like rule or lesson, but they don't understand the context of how they're teaching it. Because like context matters. It all depends on population you're talking to, 
who they are, race, ethnicity, it all matters. And so if you're not speaking that way, if you're not communicating in that way, if you're not connecting in that way, no matter what's being said, it will not resonate. There's got to be, it it is a very complicated topic. Even like, I would expect, like, I feel like if you lessened restrictions on how like a a teacher has to be as well too, not only like, I mean, like the way you're talking to me, for instance, is perfect. Like that's, I would wish every teacher would be like that. But I feel like a lot of teachers feel like if they talk like how that, like that is, they feel like they're going to lose their only sense of livelihood. And I'm like, I don't feel like a teacher should ever feel that at anything. I feel like you, they would have more deeper connections with students and care more about them if they were opening up that door more. But then you'd have like parents that would sue because a teacher was doing this. And I'm like, yeah, I, I understand that as well too. But I mean, this is honestly the way that we're at right now is probably the best that, I mean, it could be a hell of a lot worse. Just think of that. Um, but I think we're managing cause there's so many different voices out there as well too, that are on so many completely different sides on everything. It doesn't just boil down to peanut butter. It boils down to every single topic that you could possibly be out there. I like Coke. You could say, I like Pepsi, you know, it's always like this, like weird combative nature style thing. But like, I think it comes from like, there needs to be like a healthy place to talk about shit, not just like your own personal issues, but just like, if you guys are going like, they call it debating. I'm like, yeah, but that's it never that never saw like show me a debate where it's ever ended well there's not a whole lot of them out there even ones that happen on campuses and it's just like i feel like you need to have healthy discussions about stuff like when you talked about um teaching a kid early about like sexual health or just about anything i feel like the reason when someone asks a question especially depending on what their age are a lot of the time they gloss over it like i saw my first vagina on a on a uh, a phone when i was 10 I'm surprised I can still fucking look at one like it, it looked like a fish. And I was like, for a lot of kids, that's their experience now is they come across a porn, they come across something. And it's so much at one minute when you've never even been introduced to that. And I'm like, when you don't talk about these topics, when you choose, it's going to be this age, I'm going to tell them. I'm like, whenever they ask the question, whenever they look at something, if you sit there and you spend too much time on it, it's an issue, but also if you don't ever talk about it. Like, I didn't know my grandma was a lesbian until I was in my 20s. I never even thought to ask the question. I just think that there were roommates, maybe. I don't know. I didn't care. Like, does it matter? I'm like, no, I just fucking it's like finding out Santa Claus isn't real when you're 30. It's like, that's just a shocker. I don't really care. But like, that's the thing. It's like they didn't want to say anything. They just thought I they just figured I'd catch on to it. And it's like this whole aspect of like you realize like the things that you're trying to steer away from, you're actually doing worse. If you'd rather just talk about it and then not let it be a big issue or let it be a big deal, you get over it quicker. And then you're not, you're on to the next thing. You realize it wasn't even an issue. Yeah. I, I, I'm about transparency for sure. For sure. And when it comes to um, professors, so like I always approach a topic and like, Hey, I don't go into my own personal opinion so much in class, but if I do, I'm like, look, it, this is just what I personally think. I'm not saying your opinion that doesn't matter. Just what I think. I'm no better than you. I'm the same person. So I, I, there's like that caveat. And I really believe that. And, or there's like, um, if I bring a topic up, I'm always bringing up both sides of stuff. And I say, I'm not taking any side here, but there's this perspective and there's this. I was like, People are on both sides. And so you have to present it that way. If you, if you attempt at the objectivity of a conversation, you build trust. It's when you fervently go down, obviously, when you fervently go down on one side, I mean, you just lose all trust for at least half the people in that audience. And 
that's where the shit goes wrong. Uh, but like, like I don't think my opinion is so much better than other people's at all. I, 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 I don't. I'm just one dude, bro, with like one fucking opinion, and that's all it is. And like, my experiences are not yours, so I don't know where you come down on, on certain things. And that's how I kind of look at each person because I don't know the context of their life. I don't know what they're going through. That's, what works that's, for me. That's, that's the problem. That's the thing is like every conversation sometimes ends up being like, if you say something, people take it the wrong way. Like, exactly. and then you got to like, I sit there, if I said something, they take it the wrong way. And then like, I have to sit there and be like, did, did, did you happen to experience this? And then I'll say it and they'll be like, yeah, I did. And you're like, Okay, so you you thought I meant it like this. I actually was just being I didn't I was not even thinking about that. This is how I meant it. Like, oh, and then it kind of gets solved there. But context it's like, matters, bro. Context that multifactorial matters. thing is a fucking asshole. Like that's a, that's think, such a bad thing. Think about diet. Like, what causes di- you know cancer? It could be anything. List like again, God, not vaping. Caught. Vaping doesn't do that. <laughs> Who the hell knows what's in those chemicals, right? That's in the vape. But like, I. Let's bring about the coffee quick again. What, what, what causes your cup of coffee to taste a certain way? It could be anything. It's the way, it's the soil it was grown in. It's how the people picked it from the, from the tree. It, it's how it was processed. Was it dried? Was it washed? The, the you know, uh, actually seed, uh, the coffee seed. In a way it was like packaged and like transported. Was it transported in a vacuum pack bag or a jute bag? How far it traveled? Was it around like animals? Who got it? Who roasted it? To what temperature was it made? To your cup? Was it? There are so many goddamn things that could affect what your cup of coffee tastes like every morning. There's literally an endless supply of factors that make your coffee taste a certain way to you that day. And that's just coffee. Talk about like emotions or mental health aspects is mind-boggling it's it's a lost cause but going back to the you know it just, it just it 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 it's so hard to pinpoint even back with fertility like what caused you to be infertile i mean i don't know it could be anything literally anything it could be your lifestyle again we're not coal miners we're not farmer or we're not coal miners we're not farmers so much anymore we're uber drivers and we are accountants we don't, we're not asked to go physically labor all day to do certain things. That affects a male and female body on what hormones are producing. It's just like, uh, I, who was it? Uh, like there were, I think Tucker Carlson just recently did this whole thing, the end of men and how like testosterone is like dropping for this and this and this. It's like 10% per year. Yeah, it is. I, is that a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe for like feeling le- like lethargic, I guess. But does that make you less of a man if you have less testosterone? No. But like, why is it dropping? It's not because we're, you know, teaching or being more woke. That's bullshit. It's not causing you to be less of a man. Literally, probably most of it is because of our lifestyle. It's how we're not living or how we are living. And but that, even that is multifactorial. It's causing testosterone drop. It's not because we're fucking teaching critical race theory or whatever it is. And it's not because we're being more woke. It's not because of Trump. It's not because of Biden. It's not because of any of that really at all. It's because of our physical lifestyle. That's what's causing this testosterone drop. It's nothing like that. But anyway, the whole point is like the, it's, it's multifactorial to pinpoint something and say it's that. That's so regressive. We don't even know half the shit is. It, 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 it's a really tough game. It really is tough. 
you're gonna have to come back on and talk about coffee because I feel like you have a deep, deep, Bro. deep, dark desire, like a dark roasted coffee. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm telling you, I'm all about coffee, bro. Right. Let me know whenever I like I'm getting this is really cool. I, I appreciate you having me on. Um, is there a place where people can find you? You got any links, any sites, nonprofit too? Yeah, yeah, the malewellnesscollective.com. That is the male wellnesscollective.com. Uh I also have something uh, for my academic side is uh, testicular cancer research collaborative, but um that we're launching the site soon. I'll I'll get information, but the um but my nonprofit the male wellness collective our site is malewellnesscollective.com the handle is at self care for males on twitter instagram and facebook too but yeah follow you on twitter we're um, there bro i'm gonna make sure i link everything in the description it's been a pleasure chatting with you and thanks for listening to this episode out of the blank